Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 155 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, joined by my friend and colleague Ryan Dunleavy. As the Giants wrap up their off-season program, the next time they'll be on the field is training camp in July and head coach Pat Shermer, Ryan, opened the door just a little bit and maybe a little further than that to a quarterback other than Eli Manning taking the field with the first-team offense at some point during the summer and maybe even week one in Dallas during a wild kind of off-the-rails press conference Tuesday following practice. Your quick thoughts on that. My quick thoughts are that nothing changes in Giants land, Eli Manning's going to start week one, but we'll dive, we'll dive into it. But yeah, that's my quick thought is nothing changes status quo, Eli forever. Very well could be, and at this point, just sign him up for a five-year contract extension. If you like what you hear, as always, we would love if you would subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Speaker, Stritcher, YouTube. Uh, throw us a like on iHeartRadio and give us a five-star review. Let us like, let us know what you like about the show and what you'd like to hear moving forward. Uh, Ryan, let's dive into this because Pat Shermer, in a lengthy press conference, about halfway through, the door was kind of open open to the quarterback conversation, uh, Eli Manning's status, his thoughts on Daniel Jones. And this is for, you know, the, the multiple times this spring that Pat Shermer has said something to the effect of either Daniel Jones needs to be ready to play week one or on Tuesday saying that Daniel Jones is on track to be ready to play day one. The comment that really jumped out to me was when Shermer said, quote, I don't want to be cryptic. The players who give our teams the best chance to win will play. That's period. We've seen Eli do that for a very long time, so we'll see what happens as we go down the road, end quote. To me, that's a very lukewarm endorsement of Eli Manning being, quote, unquote, the player with the best chance to give the Giants to win playing in week one. Yep. So you just – Everything you said, I agree with. You take those quotes and you say, Daniel, that's it. It's an open competition, right? Everything you just said says open competition. The the Giants are opening it up. Daniel Jones has a chance to win. Now I'm going to go with, now I'm going to read you some other quotes. Eli Manning is getting ready to have an outstanding year. And Daniel Jones is getting ready to play. Okay, that seems to favor that Eli Manning's the quarterback. Then, point blank, a couple times, Eli Manning is the starter, and this guy, Daniel Jones, is fighting to be ready to play. Okay, so that's pretty clear cut, right? Eli Manning's the starting quarterback. Uh, so how does that jive? As one of our other reporters said, both things can't happen. Daniel Jones can't play week one and Eli Manning has an outstanding year. It's one or the other. Either, Correct. either Eli, if Eli Manning's having an outstanding, an outstanding year, Daniel Jones isn't going to play at all. And if Daniel Jones is playing week one, then Eli Manning might not even be on the roster. So I don't understand how both can happen. That's kind of what I wrote yesterday. I think that this was a press conference open for interpretation. If you want to, believe that the Giants are going to turn the page soon and Jones is going to 
have a chance to be the guy soon, then there's plenty in here that leads you to believe that. And if you want to believe that the Giants are sticking with Eli Manning, at least at the start of the season, there's plenty in here for you to believe that. So what do you believe? What was your thought? My biggest takeaway from this is, of course, he's not going to name Daniel Jones the starter, even after what's been a pretty impressive spring. I think that the company line all along has been that they would prefer that Eli Manning plays week one, keeps the Giants in contention, and they don't need to even worry about this, right? But deep down, Ryan, I really believe that Pat Shermer intends to and will play the quarterback who he believes gives his team the best chance to win. I think that that's his philosophy. But and that's, whether- that's a quarterback cliche, Matt. What 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 does that mean? That, that's, that's a coach cliche. What does that mean, the best chance to win? Like well, the, uh, the better the better of the two quarterbacks. And this is a lot different than this is a lot different than Davis Webb who was a third round pick. But hold on. Physically the better of the pick. Physically the best of the two quarterbacks? Because Dan what if Daniel Jones is better physically but then you're like, well, Eli Manning has the experience and he knows. I don't, I don't know that experience matters at this point. You've been 8-24 and 24 over the last two years with this quarterback. This quarterback has only been to the postseason once since 2011 and lost that game. I, I, I hear all the time, and Giants fans on Twitter say this all the time, that Eli Manning's experience should matter and it should count for something. Look, you drafted this kid number six overall because you believe he has the chance to be a franchise quarterback. And to me, if he's outplaying Manning, in practices and outplaying Manning in preseason games, uh, if, if his knowledge of the offense is on par with Eli Manning's, who's entering his second year in the offense, this is only Jones's first. If Jones is on par, I think you play Jones because I don't know what the upside is to continuing to play Eli Manning based on his recent track. But that's what you would do. I'm asking you what you think the Giants will do. Like you said, you think Pat Shermer will play the quarterback who gives him the best chance to win Correct. what does what does the daniel jones have to do if to pat Shermer to give him I think he needs to continue to show the ability to move the offense. I think he needs to continue to show that he can stretch the field, push the ball deep, get rid of the football accurately, go through his progressions, not hold on to the football too long, as we've seen him do uh, quite frequently throughout the spring. And he's going to have to move the ball in preseason games. I know that teams play vanilla-based defenses a lot during August, and it's a lot different than the live bullets of the regular season. But if Manning is hitting – you know, between the numbers, deep on post patterns, the throwing Shepard and Golden Tape, but struggling to hit outside the numbers or throwing behind running backs on on screen passes or passes in the flat, and Jones is doing all of those things. Uh, to me, I think that it just it comes down to if Jones outplays Manning or plays at the same level as Manning this summer, I, I think you need to go with Jones. So what you're trying to sell me here, Matt? is, you know, tie goes to a runner in baseball, right? We all know that. You're trying to sell me, not Matt Lombardo, Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, Mike Shula, tie in training camp, same physical ability, same understanding of the playbook, Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, the Giants, tie goes to Daniel Jones? I think so. And again, it comes back to the thought process of Pat Shermer saying that the player who gives him the best chance to win will play. And here's why. Look, Pat Shermer's first tenure as a head coach went abysmally in Cleveland. It was an abject disaster. He comes to the Giants, and last year the Giants make a push around Eli Manning. They go all in. They draft Saquon Barkley number two. They pass on Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and Josh Allen, and they go one and seven to start the season when the season actually mattered. In the second half, with the pressure off, they put together a nice little winning streak. They get shut out by the Tennessee Titans at home, and all of a sudden they're eliminated from the postseason. So to me, if if Daniel Jones and Eli Manning are on a level playing field and you've invested number six overall pick in Daniel but I mean, Jones. Again, I'm, I don't care about what you think. You think uh, but, 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 uh, but I'm telling you that if I'm Pat Shermer, eventually okay. my coaching record has to matter. Okay. Because if this doesn't go well, if they start one and seven again, or they go three and 13 this year, and they started Eli Manning for six, seven, eight weeks, if this goes poorly, Ryan, Pat Shermer's going to get blown out the door at some okay. point, maybe as early as next year. And if he gets blown out the door, there's not head coaching opportunity number three waiting. There might not be offensive coordinator job waiting. There's probably 
a last resort as a quarterback coach for Andy Reid somewhere down the line. And that's why, if you're thinking big picture long term, Pat Shermer needs to think about self-preservation and winning for the Giants. And if Daniel Jones is on a level playing field with Eli Manning, that's why, to me, it's hard to think he would go back to Eli after what happened in the first half of last year. That's an excellent argument. I I, I totally see what you're saying there about Shermer. Let me, before I go into my, uh, my, my total opposite stance, I will, let me ask you this. Is it by starting Eli Manning, isn't he delaying the clock that you said is going to start ticking? Like, say he starts Eli Manning and they go eight and eight. Well, then isn't he delay? You're saying he's going to run out of time. He's got to start Daniel Jones. Uh, isn't he delaying that? Isn't he buying himself another year by starting Eli Manning if it goes well? Like if it goes average, isn't he buying himself another year that he wouldn't have like by starting Daniel Jones? You know what I mean? I, I don't, well, but, but I mean, what did it ain't get you? If it doesn't get you into the postseason and Daniel Jones doesn't play, I'm just what, using what do you do next year? I'm right. No, we, it gets you another year if you're Shermer. Well, I haven't even played my rookie quarterback yet. So. Yeah, I, I can see that, but I also think that expecting the Giants to go eight and eight with Eli Manning, yeah. I think that's yeah. Herculean. Yeah, yeah. I think they have a better chance of getting to eight and eight by playing Daniel Jones because of his athletic yeah. upside and yeah. how in 12 practices we've already seen how quickly he processes information, how quickly he gets rid of the football. And I think that if you put all of those things together and the same things that Pat Shermer says he values, get rid of the football quickly on time and accurately, if he does those things better than Eli Manning, that's why I think he gives the Giants a better chance to win, and that's why I think that if it's a tie, I think that Shermer's going to go to his guy, quote-unquote, his guy, the rookie they drafted, uh, to, to try and turn this thing around and, and hit the ground running. Okay. I totally disagree. I think the Giants benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith. Okay? That happened. We remember that, right? Since then, they fired the coach and the general manager and put Eli Manning back as the starting quarterback. Then they didn't cut Eli Manning. Then they didn't draft Sam Darnold. Then they cut Davis Webb. Then they didn't play Kyle Laletta. Then they didn't give Eli Manning a pay cut. Then they drafted the quarterback that Eli Manning knows. Everything they do favors Eli Manning returning as the starting quarterback, favors keeping Eli Manning comfortable. I think Daniel Jones would have to blow Eli Manning out of the water to be the starting quarterback week one. I think it would have to be a Herculean slaughter, like a, like a, it, like how good Eli Manning is compared to like how good Eric, but, but Eric why not make him the starter last, you know, during that press conference? Why not say Very Eli Manning is our starting quarterback and open and shut case Daniel Jones is here to learn and get ready? I th Two things. One, I kind of think that's what Pat Shermer thought he was doing. I kind of think Pat Shermer went up there and thought this was a clear message. Eli Manning is our starting quarterback and Daniel Jones is getting ready to play week one. Should Eli Manning get injured? Or should his helmet come off? Or should Daniel Jones is going to be the number two quarterback, not Alex Tanney, not Kyle Aletta. Daniel Jones is going to be ready to play week one if called upon. It's not going to be too big a moment for him. He is going to be ready to play, and Eli Manning is our starting quarterback. So first of all, I think that's what he thought he was doing. I agree that that's not necessarily what he did, but if I'm putting myself in his mind, I think he thought he was saying what you want him to say. And number two, why not say it explicitly? Because, And I don't think Daniel Jones is this type of kid. I don't know Daniel Jones that well. So I also think there's a coaching strategy thinking standpoint that I don't know if it's true or not, but these guys, you know how they are. They're a different breed. I think there's a measure of Pat Shermer saying, you know what, if I come out on June, what is today, June 11th, June 12th, today's my parents' anniversary, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to them. Yep. So if I come out on June 11th and say, you know what, Eli Manning is my starting quarterback and Daniel Jones is the backup, what does, maybe Daniel Jones takes his foot off the gas. Maybe he feels totally unmotivated 
all summer to be like, ah, what am I really playing for? I'm not going to get on the field till November or December. Maybe I don't have to do this extra set of curls. Maybe I don't have to spend these 10 minutes running routes. Uh, you know, maybe I don't have to gather Sterling Shepard and, uh, Golden Tate down in North Carolina. Maybe I don't have to do this five minutes extra that I could do. Like, uh, maybe I don't have to turn on film right now. Uh, maybe I could go I out. Think, to- I think that, I think that's taking a pretty big leap because the organization is already and obviously invested in Daniel Jones picking him sixth overall. And again, I just think back to my experience covering, this is almost deja vu for me, covering the Carson Wentz first training camp to covering Daniel Jones's first training camp all summer. Doug Peterson talked about how Sam Bradford is the starting quarterback. Yeah, a Sam Bradford difference. is the quarter. But but what is the big difference? Because uh, the, big difference loyalty. the big difference is loyalty. The big difference is the Giants. I think it's misplaced loyalty. Of though. course it is. Of course it's misplaced. Of course it is. But that's the difference. The difference is the Giants are – I just rattled off 10 things they could have done that would have rankled Eli Manning but moved to get the franchise forward, and they didn't do any of them. So they, the big difference is the Eagles had no loyalty to Sam Bradford. No one had the thousands of Eagles fans didn't have Sam Bradford jerseys. No, Sam but Brad- they did sign him that March. They yeah, signed him to a contract that March, similarly to the Giants picking up yeah. Eli Manning's option. So they that, paid they Sam see. Bradford to be the starting quarterback. They went through this whole ring of roll of Carson Wentz is just getting ready. Sam Bradford's the starting quarterback. And then all of a sudden, eight days before the season kicked off, Sam Bradford was traded to the yeah. Minnesota Vikings and Carson Wentz was the starting quarterback. That's why, again, I don't think that it's some sort of demotion to Daniel Jones if the Giants do have this deference to Eli Manning and they're expecting him to be the week one starting quarterback to say Eli Manning is the starting quarterback. He gives us the best chance to win. He's going to play. Pat Shermer never explicitly said that. And that's why, to me, I don't know that Pat Shermer deep down, if you injected him with sodium pentothal, truth serum, and you asked him, does Eli Manning give you the best chance to win week one in Dallas and for 16 games this season? I don't think his answer would be yes, just based on every answer he's given this spring and based on what we saw from Eli Manning in year one in his system last year. I agree. But that, but again, I still think he's going to start week one. Uh, I think we're going around in circles a little bit. Like, I agree. I, I agree that I don't necessarily think Eli Manning gives them the best chance to win. I agree that maybe Shermer doesn't even think that. But I think the Giants will start Eli Manning because that is what the Giants do. They're going to start him. They're going to give him every chance to lead him to the playoffs, to rediscover his magic, to have a have a nice exit, have a nice swan song. I think everything – look, well, let's go back to the Kansas City model. The Kansas City model isn't play Daniel Jones week one. The Kansas City model is Daniel Jones sits there and learn, learns behind the starting quarterback and plays at the end of the season. And if everything goes well, it's because you're 10 and 6 like the Chiefs were. And if everything goes bad and you're 6 and 10, it's because you have nothing to play for. But the idea that they're going to force Daniel Jones in week one, I just can't see the Giants doing it. I can see the Eagles doing it. Heck, the Seahawks did the exact same thing. It's not even the Sam Bradford model. It's the Matt Flynn model. They signed Matt Flynn to be the starter and ran him out of town for Russell Wilson. And you know what? It was the right thing to do. And when the the Eagles did it, it was the right thing to do. And and if the Giants did it, it would probably be the right thing to do. But they're they're not going to do it because they're the Giants. Yeah, I don't think that there's this notion that Daniel Jones should be given and anointed the starting job. But I think that, and let me put it to you, that if let's say in the preseason, Eli Manning struggles to move the football with the offense and doesn't look good, his timing seems off, uh, the pressure is getting to him in terms of the opposing pass rush, and Jones comes in and lights it up. What happens? How do you, if you're Pat Shermer, continuing to say, team, and not just the media. Take the media and take the fans out of the equation, Ryan. If you're Pat Shermer, how do you continue to sell to your team that you're going to play the player, a quarterback that gives you the best chance to win if Jones is playing as well or better than Eli Manning? Let me ask ask you a question. Is that why Odell Beckham's not on the team anymore? Because he figured out Eli Manning couldn't be the the best quarterback to give him a chance to win? (laughs) 
Hey, it might be. He certainly, uh, you know, didn't exactly feel all warm and fuzzy last year about Eli Manning. How many times did Saquon Barkley have to calm, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. down on the sideline? How many times did Odell leave the field at the end of the first half before halftime because he was frustrated by Eli Manning? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not as if I'm on an island here saying that Eli doesn't exactly give the Giants Based on his recent track record, maybe in 2007 and 2008, he had reason to be the starting quarterback without a challenge. But based on what we've seen recently, I don't think I'm on an island to say that that Daniel Jones might be a better option. No, but I, but it doesn't really matter because your island isn't inhabited by Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, and John Mara. Your, your island might be inhabited by every member of the NFL media and a lot of fans, but it doesn't really matter because that other island has the people that are going to make this decision. And I don't see them. I see they're comfortable on their island. They like their island. They yeah. they live on that island. They want to own that island. They I don't live. know that Pat Shermer lives on that island, though. And yeah. I think that his Pat Shermer's bosses do. Correct. And that's what I think will be fascinating is – if will there be a showdown? And look, Eli Manning might come out with a rebuilt offensive line and without Odell Beckham Jr. and a defense that, at least during the, the spring, the secondary seemed to have elevated its level of play. Maybe they start out four and one, and everybody sings kumbaya and talks about the playoffs. Yeah. I don't see. It. I think there's a better chance they're one and three coming out of the first four games. But to me, I think that it will be fascinating if there is a showdown behind yeah. the scenes between Pat Shermer. And John Mara with Shermer saying, I need to play the kid because Eli Manning isn't getting it done. What does John Mara then say? Let, let me tell you, so this story came out of the uh, Giants town hall for fans last night. And if anybody went to that, we'd love to hear from you to uh, send us a tweet. Um, this story came out of there last night. Matt, who's the better football player, Saquon Barkley or Eli Manning right now? Who's the better player? Uh, Saquon Barkley. Who helps the Giants win more games right now, Saquon Barkley or Eli Manning? I mean, the it's quarterback. Saquon the, the, the Barkley, Barkley will help them win, help them win more games. Yeah, sure, but the quarterback is more important. Sure, but it's Saquon Barkley. He's, he's more important to the Giants right now on the field. So last year they had a dispute on what route to run. Eli Manning wanted to run one route. Saquon wanted to run the other, and. uh Eli said that he told Saquon, if I tell you tomorrow he's Easter, go home and paint some Easter eggs. So that's that's Eli Manning. He has that level of, like, you do what I'm telling you. It doesn't matter that you're better than me. By the me. way, did we, find, did we find out how that route went? Did they score a touchdown? Was uh, it, I don't know. Was it incomplete? Know. Was but it patted down? I, we don't know. But that's my point. But that's the point, right, is that it doesn't matter that Saquon Barkley is better helps the team win more games. It's just Eli Manning runs the show. He yeah. runs the show. He's also until- not the quarterback, though. Yeah, but but my point, he runs the show. So, like, they're not going to de- – I just can't see them demoting him until that Eli can't have an argument. When Eli can't literally say to them, like, what are you doing? Like, I – like, this is my team, blah, blah. When he can't say that, and he could say that week one, like, why am I back here? Why did you pay me? Why did I take all the first team reps? He could say that week one. He can't say that if you're two and seven, if you're three and ten. He can't say that anymore. So I just, once you brought him back, to me, it was clear he was week one starting quarterback. And what's he going to do to lose the job? Like you might say Jones is so good he wins it. There's nothing Eli Manning can do between now and week one to lose the job. We know what he's going to do, right? He's going to, well, how many training camp practices are there? 25? He's going to play 22 of the 25 practices. He'll take three off. Those three off, Jones will get some first-team reps. We'll go crazy over his first-team reps. Uh, the other ones, Eli will take 98% of the first-team reps. Let's be clear. Jones hasn't taken a first-team rep yet. He wasted, So he didn't get a single right. first-team rep all spring. So he's going to be ready to be the week one starter by taking what? Some of the reps. Well, we don't know how Pat Shermer is going to – break up those first-team reps during this training camp. We don't, Again, but we, it's know, a lot we know how we did you have, Right, correct. And, and I think that there's something to that, the slow build of a rookie quarterback. 
you look at Daniel Jones, he didn't take second team reps exclusively. He split them with Alex Tanney, and then by the second day of, yeah. of mandatory mining camp, he was taking all of the second team yeah. reps. So there was a build there. So obviously the next step in a development of a rookie quarterback is splitting first team reps, and then so, from there, so let's say he does. Let's say he does that. Let's say he splits first team reps for 15 practices. That's enough to be ready for week one? Depends on what he shows you in those yeah, practices and in the games, right? And we know Eli Manning isn't going to play. In the, so he, here's what Eli Manning is going to do this preseason. He's going to play one series against the Jets. Then he's probably not going to play at all in the second game. Then he'll play the first half of the third game, and he probably won't play at all in the fourth game. Correct. So what is he going to do? To lose the job. Nothing. Not move, the, not move the offense. A couple of three and outs. Yeah. Throw an interception. And again, it's not just what Eli Manning does to lose it. It's if Jones is moving the football and looking ready. It, it's going to be very difficult. Again, given Pat Shermer's track record and given Eli Manning's recent track record, I think that it's malfeasance on the part of the head coach not to play the quarterback who's playing better at that point, given what you've invested in Daniel Jones and what you believe Daniel Jones has the chance to be. I just think there's an easy out for Shermer and for whoever's making this decision. Is the easy out. It's the best. It's such a cliche, the guy who gives us the best chance to win because there's so many non-quantifiable measures like it's not like the guy who completes the most passes okay i'll track every pass and then tell me and then whoever has the best completion percentage the guy who does the best in the red zone okay i'll i'll track every red zone stuff it's the guy who gives us the best chance to win well then you start thinking about like we went into earlier you go into experience and you go into reading defenses and you go into all this stuff that you can't quantify in every in any measurable way. So it's really just who your gut tells you or whatever. It's just such a, it's just such a cop out to, and every coach uses it. The guy who gives us the best chance to win is really, that's my decision. That's my, uh, that's my evidence for whatever decision I really want to make. And listen, I, I think that Eli Manning will be the week one starter. I, I'm not sitting here pounding the table saying that the Giants have to start Daniel Jones. I just don't believe that it's the open and shut case that you're presenting it to be I based on that. everything Pat Shermer has said this spring, the 12 times in a press conference where he said Daniel Jones is getting ready or needs to be ready to play week one, all of his comments on Tuesday, what we saw out of Jones in terms of where he is in his development during these practices. I, I just don't think that it's ironclad Pat Shermer's commitment to Eli Manning or that Manning will start week one. I do think there's a chance that Daniel Jones starts. And I think that if he outperforms Eli Manning in the preseason, I think that he should start. But that doesn't mean that if you're asking me here so on June 12th, if yeah. I believe Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback, I don't believe that. But I also don't believe that it's set in stone that Eli Manning will be. That's kind I of where I am on yeah. this. Yeah, and I'm set in stone that he will be. What? Uh, so if you think that, what do you make of those comments? Like, what do you make of Eli Manning as our starting quarterback? That's a lie? I believe that at every turn, Pat Shermer tried to qualify his comments during those during that press conference. He didn't need to say that we've seen Eli Manning give us the best chance to win for a very long time. We'll see it. We'll see well, how it goes when we're further up the road. He didn't need to, to add that qualifier. Correct. Correct. I understand. So I those qualifiers are why you think Jones has a chance. Correct. So what – what about the other, the non-qualifiers? Eli Manning is our starting quarterback. That was a lie or that was just today on June. Okay. June okay. 10th. So you think, so you think that meant Eli Manning is our starting quarterback right now? Correct. And then what do you think Eli Manning is getting ready to have an outstanding season? Man? And Daniel that Jones is getting ready to play and Daniel Jones is on track well, to play week I'm, one. I'm saying I think that meant Daniel Jones is on track to play if necessary. What do you think that meant? You, he, could have, you, he could have said if necessary. Okay. Right? Yeah. He went out of his way to qualify. Right. But he could have said right now. Him. He could have said right now when Eli Manning is our starting quarterback. He could have said right now. Correct. Correct. But they well, they also didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him. Correct. Yeah, and they like I said, Daniel Jones is getting ready to play. Well, they also didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him. So 
<laughs> so, I mean, that's it. I mean, we you have to pick and choose. You're, 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 you sound very aggravated by the presence of a quarterback controversy. This should be I, something, I just, this should I, be something oh, you I, should be welcoming in terms of, of I just content, don't in terms of, uh, is, of drama, in terms I, I, I like the of quote-unquote like iron sharpening iron. You seem very reticent to the idea of the rookie I, coming along and beating out the veteran who hasn't won a playoff game in eight years. I, I will tell you what it is. I'm not hesitant to it. I do welcome it from a, my job standpoint. I treat it the same way as my wife saying, I'll be ready in five minutes. No, you won't be ready in five minutes. You need 15 minutes. You no chance are you ready in 15 minutes. And that's how I feel about it. You're, it's just not true. It's a nice thing to say, but I'm not going to believe you're going to be ready in 15 minutes because I have 15 years of history with you that shows me you are never ready when you say you're going to be ready. And I'm not going to believe that there's a quarterback competition because I have years of proof that you're going to go with Eli Manning because you always go with Eli Manning. So that's the best analogy I can give you. I don't know if your wife is always on time. My She's wife usually is early, actually. Oh, maybe, maybe, you maybe you can't understand, but I think most guys out there understand. When the, the, pro- just, the problem is my wife is almost too regimented in her timing yeah. and her organization, and she says that I uh, am too spontaneous and those sort of things. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're kind of operating on different planes here. It's like when I tell my wife I'm going to eat vegetables tonight. Like, yeah, it's a nice thing to say, but if you put the macaroni that I can relate to, yes. <laughs> if you put the macaroni and cheese on the table next to the asparagus, I'm not going to do it. I can keep saying I'm going to eat the asparagus, but if the macaroni and cheese is there, you have 15 years worth of proof that I'm going to eat the macaroni and cheese. So. You, I could keep saying it, and it sounds nice, but you got to go with what history says. And history says macaroni and cheese. History says my wife's going to be late. Yep. And history and history says Eli. And, and again, I think the history that I'm hearkening back to and maybe relying too much on is the history of Carson Wentz's first training camp and myself as a reporter watching what happened and everything that the Eagles did leading up to trading Sam Bradford. There wasn't a thought in my mind that Sam Bradford would be traded and that Carson Wentz would be the starting quarterback week one. I believed and I wrote on May 28th that, that Carson Wentz had a firmer yeah. grasp of the offense than Sam Bradford, but I didn't believe the Eagles would actually start him. Just yeah. as now, I, I, it's like going to the movie and seeing the same movie again or the remake of the movie 10 years later. I'm watching the same thing with a veteran yeah. quarterback who hasn't yeah. shown an ability to lead a team to the postseason and a kid who comes in and looks the part of a franchise quarterback and NFL head coaches act out of self-preservation and they act out of trying to move the ball forward. If the Giants are trying to move the ball forward and Daniel Jones is giving them a reason to believe that, I just have a hard time based on my past experience thinking that the Giants would go back to Eli if Jones shows that he's ready. That's just where I'm coming from. Except except in that first movie you saw, Sam Bradford was played by some no-name actor and in the second and in the remake, it's Robert De Niro. Like that, that's the difference. It's just, it's just the difference is the Giants. Sam Bradford is not Eli Manning. That's a compliment to Eli Manning. And the Giants are not the Eagles. And that's a compliment to the Eagles. That's it's really that simple. Uh, Manning has a better legacy and the Giants are not as well run as, but, but his recent legacy, I don't think it doesn't, but that's not, you can't have a recent legacy. You're le- you can have recent performance, but legacy is legacy. And that's, that's the, that's the difference. The Giants don't have Super Bowl rings on their fingers without Eli Manning and they cannot separate it. They can't. Yeah. They just can't do it. They can't do it. John Mara got mad at me when I asked about sentimentality in, uh, the owners meetings, but I asked about it for a reason. I don't, I don't believe they can do it. I believe he wants to do it. I believe that he believes he can do it. I don't believe they can actually do it. I just don't. Moving beyond the quarterbacks, Ryan, because obviously we're going to have a lot of time to talk about the quarterbacks during training camp and the run-up to the regular season. Um, th- these were our only glimpses of the Giants this spring during the OTAs and the mini camp. Uh, curious, your big-picture takeaways uh, from what you saw, and then I'll give you kind of some of my standouts that I saw throughout the course of the spring. Uh, I wrote 10 of them. I wrote 10 observations today. Uh, I'll give you a couple. Number one, I think it's time Dave Gettleman just admits he made a mistake drafting Kyle Aletta. Uh, there's no place for him on this roster. He barely gets any reps in practice. They should have picked an offensive tackle or a safety then. They'd be doing Laletta a favor. 
probably to just cut him now and see if he could catch on in training camp somewhere else because he has no spot on this roster. It's a shame. I like him. He's a nice kid. He never really got an opportunity uh, here, but the writing was on the wall when they picked Jones, and then it was, you know, basically painted on the wall when they brought back uh, Alex Tanning. Yeah, and then to see it in training camp, it's just so painfully obvious. He, you know, he barely even gets he gets one rep, and then they whistle and move on to another group. Yep, uh, I agree. That, with that was yep. one, that was one of my big takeaways. Uh, not to dive too much back into Jones, but the one thing I want to say I thought was a takeaway is. I, you know what? I'll save this one for the end because we, we should talk about this a little more. Not that, you know, quarterbacks matter the most. Um, another well, thing I thought. Let's dive back into it. What, what... Hold on. I'll get to that at the end. And then I thought, I think they have too many players in the secondary. Somebody's going to be an odd man out, whether it's Grant Haley or Corey Ballantyne or Antonio Hamilton or Sean Chandler. They, I don't think they have enough roster spots barring injury for all those guys. I think that's one. I think they're very committed to Lorenzo Carter as their top pass rusher. Everybody else rotates, and he never comes out of the first team. So I kind of think he they're all in on him being the pass rush savior. And then another thing I think is they have two – where I think they have too many DBs, I think they're way short on the defensive line. I proposed a trade of Spencer Pulley to the Jets for McClendon. People thought that was not a good trade for the Giants. Fans thought – uh, I think you're underestimating how badly the Giants need defensive depth. Here's a stat for you. The second wave of defensive linemen the Giants use, which is Freedom. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, Alex Jenkins, uh, RJ McIntosh, and Chris Slayton. Combined, those four guys have six games of NFL experience and no starts, and all six games belong to McIntosh. That is not enough. It, 895 snaps defensively is how many Josh Morrow, Mario Edwards, and Kerry Wynn played last year. You gave up 895 veteran snaps on defense, defensive line, and you don't have any uh, to back up with our young starting group. I think they're woefully short on the defensive line. And then my last one, I'll go back to the quarterbacks. If Daniel Jones is spring, how much of that is, wow, Daniel Jones was really good. And how much of that was Daniel Jones? The bar was so freaking low from everybody who wasn't in the Giants. Obviously, the Giants had a super high bar. They picked him number six, but the bar was so freaking low. He can't, he should, he's a second round pick. He should have, he would have been there at 17. He would have been there at 30. He has no arm strength. He has a losing record. I told you right that today and and it kind of, it kind of jumped off the page for me. And hold on. Every knock you can possibly give. So if, Daniel Jones's name was Sam Darnold. If Darnold was picked three, he was picked six. Or it was Josh Allen who was picked seven last year. Or Josh Rosen who was picked ten. If it was somebody who came in with a high expectation bar, what would what would you have thought of the way Jones played? Would you have thought the same thing? Like, wow, he was really impressive? Or was he impressive – because the bar was so low. No, he was impressive based on what he saw, what he did on the field. And again, I was as critical as anybody on this podcast, in writing, on Twitter. Go, go scroll through it, read it, go back and listen to those past episodes. Ryan, we talked about it. I, I do believe that based on the talent of Josh Allen, the linebacker, and Ed Oliver, who I believe has a chance to be a future Hall of Famer, to pass on them for Daniel Jones at six, given the market circumstances of the first round, I thought it was a reach. But I'll tell you that once a player is in the building, it's almost like when you watch training camp and the Dallas Cowboys take the star off the helmet of the rookies, or uh, Jim Harbaugh takes the stripes off the helmets of the incoming freshmen, or uh, you know James Franklin at Penn State takes the stripe off the helmet of the incoming freshmen, whatever. When a rookie quarterback or a rookie player steps on the field, it's a clean slate in terms of how I view him. I'm not going back to my expectations of Daniel Jones and how the Giants might have reached or what he did at Duke, on and on and on. I looked at him as a, as a quarterback, and I said, wow, okay, this guy goes through his progressions really quickly. He's not holding on to the football too too long in the pocket. Wow, he delivers an accurate deep ball. That was better than I expected it to be. And it wasn't just once or twice. It was over and over and over again. It was just my observation based on what I saw on the field that made me think that Daniel Jones had a really strong and impressive spring. 
Uh, that's interesting. I don't know if everybody feels that way. I don't even know if necessarily I, I know that. Yeah. Like I, I, I think it's very hard. And if you were able to do it, good for you to separate what you thought you were going to see from what you, what you saw. I certainly know that not every media member can do that. And I don't even know if I did it because I went in expecting to be like, Oh God. And I was very impressed. And I don't know if I would have been as impressed if the name on the back of the jersey said Darnold. Because yeah. I thought Darnold was going to be exceptional. I don't know. I really yeah, don't know. I think I, that if it's one day, like if he would have come out like gangbusters in rookie minicamp and was throwing 80-yard bombs yeah, down the field to Darius Slayton or during the first OTA practice was slinging the ball and just, you know, doing Patrick Mahomes-like things, and then he became Alex Tanney the next day, then I'd say, okay, wow, that was amazing, but, you know, this is kind of what he is. But the fact that he was so consistent from the first weekend and seemed to get better as we went along here, that's where I came away impressed. It had nothing to do with hype going in or whatever. Maybe the first day it was taken back and said, wow, that arm strength's better than I thought it was, but he kept doing it. And that's where, to me, the separation of pre-draft evaluation and hype to watching the kid in person comes into play, at least for me. Uh, I just don't know that everybody could, I think maybe that, maybe that's good. Maybe that's yours. I just, I think the overwhelming, what you're seeing now, the national praise for Daniel Jones, uh, from, you know, people who aren't at practice every single day, like you and I yeah. are, I think the national flyby praise for Daniel, I, I saw him play once, uh, at a, one practice all, and, you know, uh, kind of thing. I think those people are their expectations are raised by how low the bar was. That's kind of it could be. I just think that's it could be, but I but I mean we've had some people roll through. Pete Prisco from CBS was in for a practice. Mike Tanier was in for mandatory practice. Mike Garofolo was in for a mini camp practice. I mean there's been a lot of national media who took it in and weren't just watching videos. And I think that those guys have been around multiple young quarterbacks and multiple training camps and multiple practices of multiple teams across the league that they can come in and look at it as just viewing a quarterback, not necessarily viewing what you thought you were going to see. Yeah. Um, what you have any takeaways? Yeah, I think that my, I think that my big takeaway was the secondary has a chance to be the most improved position group, and it probably should be on this roster based on all of the turnover. I think Anquan Bethea might be a little bit of a weak link just because I don't know that he has the speed deep in coverage that teams aren't going to target him and with a lot of success over the top. But Jabril Peppers, I think, is an athletic freak with all kinds of closing speed. He's like a Swiss Army knife that you can use up near the line of scrimmage similar to Landon Collins, but can make a play if you drop him into the coverage in the slot, if you want to, you know, he can make a play deep. He just seems like he flew to the football all spring when he was on the field. Uh, DeAndre Baker, I thought, looks like a starting NFL quarterback right now. And I, I don't know that the nickel cornerback competition is going to truly develop because Grant Haley took almost all of the first team reps and played really well. So I think the secondary has a chance to be a lot better. I worry as you do, Ryan, that they're not going to be able to develop any sort of pass rush from the front three, which was an issue last year. And on the offensive side of the football, I think it's still a work in progress. I think that Sterling Shepard has the chance to be a breakout star in the NFL. He looks really good, seems to have his timing down with Eli Manning. Uh, but Golden Tate, I think, had good moments and had some moments where he might have dropped a couple passes he thought he should have had. We didn't really get to see Evan Ingram. And uh, it's going to be kind of a convoluted wait-and-see process with the offense, I think, and what they're able to be without Odell Beckham Jr. during training camp in the preseason. I think there is a lot more growing to do on offense than there might be on defense, and that's saying a lot based on how young and inexperienced that defense is. Let's do a little rapid fire to wrap this up, just so we talk about something other than quarterbacks. No need for an explanation. If you give an explanation, keep it to like a sentence or two. The Giants' backup running number two running back is Paul Perkins. The John who who has more catches this season, uh, Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard? Uh, Golden Tate because I think they're going to use him a lot in the slot, and I think that he's going to be a security blanket for Eli Manning, assuming Manning starts Week One. 
Nate Solder and Mike Remmers are on the field for the first training camp practice? Uh, false. I think that at least one of them, it might be a couple weeks so they're back on the field. Nate Solder didn't exactly give a strong commitment to being ready. I think he challenged you and asked you, Ryan, are you sure that you're going to be there day one of training camp? Yeah, God willing. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the Giants' starting middle linebackers, inside linebackers, are Alec Ogletree and Tay Davis. They play a lot more nickel than base. And I, I don't know about you, I barely noticed B.J. Goodson throughout the spring. Tay Davis on really? the field. Uh, virtually all of the first-team defensive reps that I tracked, I think Tay Davis winds up being the guy. The Giants sign another noteworthy free agent. And by that, I, I'm not saying, you know, they sign uh, an Indomiku Sioux leather, le, level player, but a guy that most people have heard of, a, you know, uh, who's that linebacker from the Packers that uh, everybody wants them to sign all the time? Uh, Nick Perry. Yes, a Nick Perry level player. Uh, you know, somebody, not some guy who has two games worth of NFL experience. They sign an impact caliber player this offseason between now and training. I, I, I lean false, but a bold prediction here. Don't rule out a Connor Barwin return. Oh, that is a bold prediction. That is, that is, he's, that is a he's been problem. very cryptic on Instagram about wanting to get his weight down and working out and seems motivated. He hasn't signed anywhere yet. And if the Giants aren't sold on some of their options and they're looking to add a linebacker, I think they go with familiar versus bringing in someone like Perry. He did not seem pleased with his role last Correct. year. So I would be surprised if he wanted to come back, but I don't know, maybe. Uh, bold prediction's a good way to wrap it up. Give me another bold, something bolder than Connor Barwin. Win total or, um, or, you know, training camp battle that goes a different way than we expect or guy who could lose his job or, you know, surprise. Chad, cut. Wheeler, some, Chad some, Wheeler starts at right tackle week one. That's bold. That's bold, baby. Because I know they're counting on Mike Remmers, but Remmers is coming off back surgery. I believe he's on his third team in the last two years, if I'm remembering that correctly. Uh, I think that Wheeler taking every first team snap has value, whether it's for him starting or providing quality depth. And if Remmers isn't 100% ready to go, I don't think that he, they're just going to plug him in there. I think Chad Wheeler could be your week one right tackle. Wow, that is bold. I don't know that I have anything. I I challenge you. I gave you I, two. I you I gave you uh, one falling out of the sky. You challenged me for something bolder. I delivered, and I can't get one out of you. Well, I mean, I have one. You know what it is. We're not going to spoil it now. We're going to make it's on the win total. It, it is bold as hell, and uh, uh, you know what it is. Mo anybody uh, in the media room knows what it is. But I'm going to save the win total bold prediction for the summer. Um. Uh, it is, it is bold though. Uh, I am very one way or another on how the win total that you won't be hearing me say seven or eight. Um, what, uh, something bold. I kind of think there could be a shake up at the tight end position. I just don't know what, so it doesn't feel bold. Like, do they trade Evan Ingram? Do they cut Red Ellison for salary cap space? I just, I don't know. I just feel like CJ Conrad's really good and I feel like uh, Scott Simonson's a good blocker. I just feel like Ellison and Ingram are kind of uh, repetitive, but that is the far and away the Giants' strongest, deepest position group. So maybe you don't cut from a, maybe you don't pull from a strength, maybe you don't mess with the tight ends because it's so good. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a bold, uh, a bold kind. Of, I have a couple bold predictions for the season, but I feel like we should save those for September. You did a good job of coming up with ones. For between now and September, and I don't know that I necessarily have one. Uh, Jeff Schubert, at JM Schubert on Twitter asks, and this is probably a good question to to round out the podcast with, Ryan, which 2019 non-first round draft pick do you think will make the biggest impact for the Giants this season? I will tease this, that on Thursday I have uh, my rankings of this exact question, ranking which Giants rookies in their draft class by who will be the biggest immediate contributor, but non-first-round pick, I'll give this one to you, and then I'll fire off my answer. Right, so it's Zemaines, Connolly, uh, am I missing, who was the fourth, Love, Zemaines, Love, Connolly, Slayton, Slayton, Valentine. Is that everybody? Correct. I'll say Darius Slayton. I, uh, 
I was very impressed with him at the end of training camp, as was Pat Shermer. I think he could end up stealing the number three job receiver job. I, right now, I believe it's Corey Coleman, but I think Slayton could steal it. Now, remember, the Giants' number three receiver job is really the number five receiver job because you got to count in Evan Ingram and you got to count in. Saquon and they Barkley very rarely play three wide receiver sets. Correct, but I could I could see Darius Slayton with you know three or four touchdowns. 300 yards, whatnot, which would be a pretty good impact from a sixth-round rookie. So uh, I'll take Darius. I'm going to go with O'Shane Zimenez. I think that he has a chance to wind up the season, not necessarily open the season, but by week 15 or week 16 to be the Giants' uh, most second-most productive pass rusher behind Lorenzo Carter. And I think he has a chance to supplant Marcus Golden at some point in terms of total snaps played. Uh, Golden, I think – to me, it's boomer bust. He's either going to step back on the field and be a guy who can approach seven or eight sacks for you, or his health is just going to limit him, and he's not going to be the same player that he was two years removed from 12 sacks in a season. Zimenez, I think, is a guy they have high hopes for. Lorenzo Carter, as you pointed out, Ryan, they're obviously head over heels with and is the focal point of their pass rush. But I could see O'Shane Zimenez being the most productive and impactful rookie not chosen in the first round. I'll give here's my bold prediction. Here's how we'll wrap it up. The Giants are going to clear out more cap space before September 1st. How's that? Uh, I don't know if it'll be Ellison. I don't know if it'll be Ingram. I don't know if it'll be Jenkins. I don't know if it'll be somebody, but the Giants are going to, when they sign Daniel Jones, when they sign Dexter Lawrence, when they sign DeAndre Baker, their cap space is going to go down so much. They're going to be in that like two to three million dollar range, which is not where Dave Gettleman wants to be. So before the 53-man roster is set, whether it's a cut or a trade, they're going to clear out a chunk of set. Maybe it's Kareem Martin. They're going to clear out a chunk of salary cap space in the 2 to $3 million range with one of their roster moves. How's that for before September 1st? Some veteran you don't expect will be shipped off. From the 1 to 10 fire emoji bold predictions, I'd say that's about a three and a half compared to Connor Barwin and, uh, and Chad Wheeler, but I do appreciate the effort. Okay. I don't know. That's, Barwin's not like, I mean, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess. Bar, I, I wouldn't give Barwin much more than a three and a half. The Chad Wheeler one's a nine there you or go. a ten, but. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Let us yeah, know we'll, how we we'll did. We'll talk to you guys further up the road. There will be podcasts throughout the summer leading up to training camp. There's always news in Giant World to talk about. We'll break it down. Give the show a follow on Twitter at TalkIsCheapNYG. Follow Ryan at R.Y. Dunleavy, and I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. We love those five-star reviews, and we'll talk to you soon. Ryan, enjoy uh, the rest of the week.